you know, when's the last time Beyonce put out an album? When was when is Rihanna ever going to put out another album? So she don't need to. Exactly. (laughs) That is exactly my point. point. They're changing what it means to be a superstar. And these newer artists of the of today, although they do have the do it myself mentality of being their own labels, doing their own social media, which in his case is failing, <laughs> but he is he doing his own. He could be a superstar before he started to go all nutty. Right. How long, what is the longevity of today's rap star when they have to go from gritty in the streets, you know, to Jay-Z, Nas, Rihanna, Beyonce level before we move on to the next person? You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, aka Brother Tech. And this is Nika Monford, aka Tech Savvy Diva. And you are tuned in to the Snob OS show, the show for Apple snobs, where we talk all things Apple and then some. We want to thank you for getting back with us. We are episode 136, so 136 shows deep, and we are going to get right into the show because I have a lot of stuff to talk about in the lowdown where we talk all things Apple, but I'm going to try to do a kind of uh, quick fire thing. So I'm just going to give you the info. Yeah. Yeah. Nika, if you want to step in, uh, do so, but I'm going to keep okay. it moving. <laughs> all right. All right. So one of the reasons why we're a little bit late recording the show is because I was in the process of updating my Mac and I just got the notification Uh, that it wants to restart and I don't want to do that during the show. So (laughs) I'm not going to do that. (laughs) So uh, basically uh, Mac OS Big Sur, uh, Apple released uh, update 11.5.2, which is available today. If you're listening to our live show, if you're one of our Patreon subscribers, or if you're listening to the recorded show, uh, the show comes out on Friday. So this week was when Mac OS 11.5.2 was available and it's really weird about this update because uh, there's no feature updates. There's no security fixes. It's just bug fixes for your Mac. So I just thought that was weird that Apple would put out an update. No feature list, no fixes. You know, the past couple of updates that we've talked about on the show have been about, you know, they are stopping this open kernel attack or this zero day attack or people are able to execute code based on this or what. None of that. It's just like, hey, we got a new update. You really should do gonna, it. Yeah. Really not going to tell you what's going on, but hey, here it is. So if you want to go ahead and update, uh, make sure you don't have a podcast to record. <laughs> 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 but just want to let you know that uh, Mac OS 11.5.2 is available for your compatible Mac. All right, moving on to the next thing real quick. Apple Cash now supports MasterCard debit instant transfers. So starting today, starting this week, whenever you're listening, uh, you can use instant transfer with MasterCard debit cards in addition, just Visa debit cards. So basically what happens is if you're using Apple Cash, like if me and Nika are using Apple Cash and you know um, uh, we're paying for something and I send her the money, once I send it to her Apple Cash account, she can then 
select the instant transfer, which will automatically move the money out of Apple Cash into our Visa debit card account. Um, or she can do the regular transfer and it'll take one to three days. Up until now, she could only do that via a Visa debit card. Now you can do it with a MasterCard debit card. So all those other you know accounts, whether it be, I think most of those online banks, you know, most of those banks where they don't have branch locations to where it's just all online, most of those issue a MasterCard debit card. So Apple was kind of excluding a lot of those people from being able to do the instant cash transfer. They could still do the one or two, the three days, but there are some people that need that money right now. now. <laughs> <laughs> right now, the backdrop to that, which is I'm actually um, going to say that Apple also announced that they are increasing the cost associating with making an instant transfer. They're going to go up to one point five percent to a maximum of fifteen dollars per transaction. So if you're trying to move, you know, a thousand, five thousand dollars from your Apple Cash account into your MasterCard or Visa uh, a card instantly, they're going to hit you up for that money. So be careful. Uh, I always do the one or two a day, the free version, because I really don't need it right then and there. You know, right. but if you're in a pinch and you need that money immediately in your account, uh, now MasterCard and Visa card users can do instant transfers via Apple Cash. All right. All right. Another update. Uh, Microsoft is to end OneDrive sync support for certain Macs. So starting September 10th, uh, Microsoft will end support for the OneDrive sync app on Mac OS Sierra 10.12 and Mac OS High Sierra 10.13. So basically, if you want to continue to use OneDrive, you can use it. They're not going to cut it off. They're just going to stop support. That means no updates, no fixes, no new features. You know, if you have one of these older Macs that only can go up to high Sierra 10.13, you can pretty much use it as it is. Uh, If you want to get the newer updates, newer versions, you got to have Mac OS Mojave and up. Uh, basically, Microsoft, the reason why they said they're going to do it is because they want to focus on, quote unquote, new technologies and supported operating systems. So my guess is this kind of falls in line to Microsoft is starting to fully adopt the uh, Apple Silicon, the M1 chip. So they're actually going to say, look, we're going to develop all of this Microsoft software for Mac on M1 Macs and up, which most of them are on Mojave, Catalina. And then the new uh, whatever comes out in this fall. So I just want to do that. Next up, Apple online store redesign. So basically now if you go to store.apple.com, you can actually shop according to your device, whether it be iPhone, Mac, uh, iPad, Apple Watch, AirPods and accessories. So you'll have those cards or tabs across the top of store.apple.com. You'll easily be able to buy stuff. Now, I was trying to rack my head to figure out well, what's that the difference? What's the difference between just going to Apple.com? Well, the way Apple.com works is they kind of highlight all the new stuff, and you actually have to kind of filter through, you know, iOS, you know, um, whatever the latest iOS is. What is it? iOS 14? 14. iOS 14, you know, or the new iPhone, iPhone 12 that just came out. You got to kind of sort through all that 
not I don't call it junk, <laughs> but all of the 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 Apple yeah the, yeah the advertising that's the word I'm looking for <laughs> the the Apple advertising to finally get to a place to where you can buy something. Well, basically they just redesigned it to where if you go to store.apple.com, you can quickly click on the category or the device that you want to purchase or the accessories you want to purchase it for, and then go on about your business and make those purchases. I think it's more. I think it's more evidence that Apple is kind of going to this one Apple type of mentality. We've talked mm-hmm. about it before, how they are trying to make iOS, macOS, iPadOS all look the same across the board. Mm-hmm. I think that's now extending, you know, to, you know, things as simple as their website. We know that they're, they're doing it with um, uh, Xcode where you, Developed for one, it pretty much goes to all of them. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's just further proof that Apple is moving towards that one look, one feel across everything that they have. Right. And in addition to that, the easier it is to find something to buy, the easier it is I'm going to buy it. And the more money I'm going to spend versus trying to weed through all the, yeah, sift through all the advertising in order to click that buy now button. So they're making it easier to buy. And also probably looks better. I haven't looked at it on my phone, but I'm pretty sure the store.apple.com probably functions better on a mobile device than the apple.com. So, all right, moving right along to the next story, uh, iPhone 13 rumors. So I try to stay away from rumors until they actually are actually confirmed. But some of these rumors everybody's kind of talking about. So it's almost like, you know, the more people talk about it, it seems like these are the features that are more than likely to show up in the upcoming iPhone 13. Now, again, we don't know if they're going to call it iPhone 13 yet. But again, as you can imagine, the bulk of the newer features are going to include a video version of iPhone's portrait mode feature, the ability to record video in a higher quality format called ProRes, and new filters like system that improves the look and colors of photos, according to quote unquote people familiar with the matter. So basically camera updates, specifically this video version of portrait mode. So I took back to school pictures of my kids and I used the portrait mode on my iPhone 12 pro max and then pictures. I'm like, I look back every once in a while. I just look at them and be like, man, I'm a pretty good photographer, (laughs) but of course (laughs) it ain't me. It's the iPhone 12 pro max in the portrait mode for the uh, photos. So I'm definitely interested to see how the video version of portrait mode works. And for those who don't know what portrait mode is, basically it just puts the focus on the target in the picture and kind of everything surrounding or behind or in the background, it kind of blurs it out to where it actually punches up the detail of the person, the image, the object that you're actually shooting. So it'd be interesting to see how that works with video when you are when it's video, right? When you're moving around, when you're recording movement, when you're recording actions, I'm curious to see how that portrait mode works with that. I'm pretty sure Apple has probably got it together, which is why people are starting to talk about it. Mm-hmm. A couple other things uh, coming that people are kind of all but confirming with iPhone 13 is, of course, a faster A15 chip, the smaller notch. We've kind of talked about that on previous shows to where they figured out technology to where they can hide the sensors behind the screen versus stopping the screen and then having that gap for all of the sensors. They can put most of the sensors behind the screen, which they can make the screen bigger, 
which will make the notch smaller and then the faster screen refresh for smoother scrolling. So you think of, I think the thing that Samsung Galaxy devices are doing are using 120 mega, no, 120 hertz refresh rate, which makes everything smoother. So when you're swiping in between pages or swiping through apps or swiping through web pages, everything is so much smoother to where it feels more realistic, feels more natural. So those are the iPhone 13 rumors. Uh, what iPhone do you have? Do you have the, the 12? Yeah, I have the 12 Pro. Okay. Now, yeah. the reason why I ask is, do you plan on getting the iPhone 13? Or are you going to skip a year? Or what are your plans? Just based on what we know so far. My thoughts right now are to skip it. Okay. Um, Because that's pretty much, I had the, the 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't have the uh the, I didn't have the the no, I didn't have the yeah, I didn't get the uh the 10s Max mm-hmm. or the 10s I or and I skipped the 11 because I was waiting for 5G and right. the 11 didn't have 5G. Mm-hmm. So, um I waited until the 12 because by then I was, you know, itching for a new device. Right. But I think as of now, unless something else comes out, um on the announcement, I think I'm going to skip it. Okay. Well, let me. Thoughts, well, well, I was going to ask one more question. So uh, you you brought up a good segue, unlike the pre-show where I did a terrible segue. <laughs> you brought up a good segue. What in your imagination would make you get the iPhone 13 when you currently own the iPhone 12? What what knockout feature would entice you to spend that money? I don't even know if it's necessarily a feature. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say at this point, probably a redesign. Okay. Would probably because I mean, um, based on this article, um, it's going to be the same sizes. So mm-hmm. we're not getting any more screen real estate. We may get a little bit more with a shrinkage of the notch, but we aren't really getting um, any new larger sizes or any more screen real estate. Um, it doesn't, I doubt it'll be a whole new chip it'll probably be improvements to the existing chip mm-hmm. um i get the video um aspect in portrait mode because i do the the photos in portrait mode are super crisp mm-hmm. um, they are they are really good photos so to have that in um you know in video would be great but it's not enough for me to buy a new phone when i literally just bought one so for me it would have to be um a redesign of of the device um okay you know it would have to have a new look and feel okay gotcha uh outside of the smaller notch it'll probably be some different colors probably uh a matte black color that that may pique my interest but that's kind of like superficial uh probably the one feature that would probably entice me to buy the uh, 13 that knowing I already have the 12, knowing that I need a new Mac now because this fan is mm-hmm. getting on my nerves, um, is the reverse charging. I would love to be able to mm. put my phone face down, take my little AirPods case or even my Apple Watch, place it on the back of my phone and have it charge either A or B. So that would be the one killer feature. Now, I'm not traveling anywhere, but... There have been multiple times to where I didn't, I wasn't nowhere near my charger for my AirPods. I needed them to charge real quick. It'd be nice to be able to flip my phone over, 
plugged up or not. I, I could either or, you know, it'd be nice if I could if it could just suck the power that's currently here. But I'm OK if I had to plug it up first. But it'd be nice to be able to set my AirPods on top of my phone and it actually charges. So I haven't heard anything about that. I think that's just a wish list for people that I've seen talk about it, but uh, did not show up in these rumors. But if it had that, I would definitely buy it. All right. Moving on to the last story of the lowdown. Uh, Apple holds its ground against photo scanning tech opposition. So I don't know if we talked about this or not. But I don't last, think we did. Okay, last week or so, and I'll give you the quick lowdown. Apple has decided to take it a step further as it relates to child protection, as it relates to sex trafficking, as it relates to child abuse. And they've rolled out plans to scan your photos in your photo account, whether it be photos app, whether it be on your camera roll, whether it be an iCloud. And they're going to scan those photos and see if there are matches with already identified images of child pornography, sex trafficking. I think child pornography was the main one. I think it also may be uh, child abuse, maybe even sex trafficking. If there are already identified images out there and they scan your photos, your camera roll, whatever, and they find a similar photo, then Apple is going to report those photos to the proper authorities. So hmm. when once Apple made that announcement, everybody jumped out. Privacy, privacy, privacy. You know, who knows? Apple can start by doing this. Uh, then they could go off and do other things, you know, similar to kind of some of the things that we've expressed on this show where other people like Facebook, like Google, mm -hmm. you know, have said they're doing this for this. But we know that their history says they can also do that. So people, those same oppositions, those same critiques that were levied against Facebook, Google, they're kind of levying them against Apple saying, OK, well, um, Apple you know, what's if if the DOJ or whomever came to you and said, OK, we know you have this technology. We know you're only spoke you're using it for child abuse, sex trafficking, whatever the case may be. What if we have this murder investigation? What if we have this terrorist plot? What if we have this other thing? You know, will you give us access? So Apple's mm -hmm. pretty much came out recently and said they are um, they and I'll just read the quote. Uh, Apple said it, it would steadfastly refuse to comply with any government demands to use the software it was developed to detect child abuse on iPhones for any other type of image. So basically, you know, if the government or whomever tapped Apple on the shoulder and said, hey, we got this terrorist ring, we want you to scan the photos to see if there's any sort of location based information that we can glean from these images, give them up. Apple's pretty much said no. The whole purpose of this is to protect children from child abuse. That's what we're going to do it for. We're not giving you anything else. So I guess I just wanted to get your opinion on the initial feature. How do you feel about that initial feature? And then how do you feel about Apple saying we're only going to use this for one reason? We're never going to use this for something else down the road. So my initial thought was this could be a problem because people take pictures of their children in the tub and that kind of thing. Uh -huh, so uh -huh. that was my initial thought then when they said it would only go against, you know, a database of, of known verified, um, child abuse, right? Child, yeah. Sex traffic, uh -huh. you know, photos. 
I was like, okay. But it's a very slippery slope. Right. Very slippery slope. And even though we do know that Apple's privacy and security is pretty top notch, especially when you think of comparatively speaking devices compared to others, definitely mm-hmm. it's it's far above. But still, my concern because I'm assuming they're using some sort of AI mm-hmm. um, on this mm-hmm. bias. We've already seen how bias can cause harm, particularly mm-hmm. to people of color when it comes to any type of photo recognition. Right. So if I were Apple and I needed to come out with something about this, I would definitely put out a statement, press release or whatever to the fact of the AI technology that they'll be using, how they have identified biases or potential biases and Mm -hmm. how they plan on mitigating those biases. I think that would go a long way into easing people's fears, even though it, it it, it won't completely quash them. I think it might make some people more comfortable but I think just the thought of Apple being able to, you know, randomly scan your phone and all of your photos without, you know, any type of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Any type of oversight. Right. Or how are they? How are they um, managing themselves? Because do they have like an internal review board uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that if issues do pop up? how they're handling, what are your rules, what are your regulations Uh around how you're going to handle these millions of devices with millions of photos? How are you going to handle all that data? It still may be internal to Apple, but Apple is is not the, you know, absolute of anything. So that would be where I would be coming from. How are you going to make sure that that your consumer and their data is protected against bias and misuse. Right, right. And that makes a good point. You know, even if they decide to go forward with this, yeah, that makes a good point. You need to immediately say, you know, this is how we're going to combat this. This is how we're going to combat that. We know this exists. Here's our strategies to get around that versus doing it after the fact when an incident happens. And then they're like, oh, well, Apple makes sure we pride ourselves. No, don't nobody want to hear that after the fact. We want to hear that now, especially, like you said, as it relates Before to... Before people's lives are possibly ruined. Right. Because once you put that out there, there's, once you there's, get no, that label. there's no going back. Yeah, yeah there's buddy. no going back. Apple can come out and say, yes, this, is, this was false. This wasn't true. It mm-hmm. was our mistake. Mm-hmm. But once it's out there in the, you know, digitally... It's it's always going to pop up and in the court in, of public opinion respect. and yes. the court of public opinion. Once it gets out that you've been anyway associated with this, you know, Images uh, of child pornography. Right. Or it's a wrap. It is a wrap. Nobody yeah. wants to touch you with a 10 foot pole if you're even remotely associated with any sort of child abuse. So, yeah, you definitely want to. How long is it going to take to clear it up? Right. You know, this stuff is going to be out there circulating, circulating. And by that time, your name is is, you know, at that point, worthless. Right. So uh, just wanted to make sure people understand about this software. So I just I opened up the story just to make sure people understand. 
the new tool would be implemented for users in the U.S. first and introduced across the world later on. The feature works only if a user's iCloud service on their phone is switched on. It cannot detect any new child abuse images. So uh, basically what that means is, you know, current images in your phone's camera roll. If you have iCloud syncing switched on, those will possibly be scanned to see if they match um, any. Let me make sure I read this. Uh, could scan an iPhone user's photo to check if any match known images of child sex abuse. So again, I just want to make sure I emphasize that because it only they can only, you know, escalate to the next level if it matches known images of child sex abuse. So I guess my standpoint is I hope Apple is secure with their technology and comfortable enough and to say, okay, we trust that this photo in your camera roll connected to iCloud, 100%, not 99.999, 100% matches this same image that has already been uploaded to the child abuse database, child sex abuse database. If they're, I hope they, you know, Apple's great. I love Apple. I use Apple for all their products. I trust them. You know, I've got all these, I'm in the ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I can trust that they can perform the gadgets can, and the services can perform their job for me, for my benefit. This, you know, not, not, I'm not saying I'm a child of me, but this, I, this is something that I don't control. I don't yeah. use, you know, I, I use a Mac. I use an iPhone. I use an iPad. I use their services. I don't use the child sex abuse database, right? So mm-hmm. this is something that's happening in the background that Apple is doing on my device and comparing it to this database, which involves me. So this is something out of my control. So like I said, I hope Apple know what they're doing because, you know, the first time it's only going to take one. The what? first time somebody gets wrongly accused based on this new technology, you know, Apple's going to have to dig out of that one, you know, so much so that it may hurt and harm all of the other things Mm -hmm. that they did for privacy and security and data protection, all the things that we have been lauding Apple for, you know, they switched this off. So Facebook can't do this. They shut down this so websites can't farm your data for this. And, you know, as they've done all these things, if they mess this up, it's going to unravel all that other stuff, all that goodwill, all that hard work. So I hope they know what they're doing. In the <laughs> words of Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? Right. Because if this messes up, it's not going to matter all the other good things they've done as mm-hmm. it relates to data privacy. You it's only funky as your last cut. Right. You right. are only and as funky. Thing, yep. And the thing is, Apple is not above reproach. We Mm -hmm. love Apple. This is the Apple-centric podcast. We use their devices. But at the end of the day, if they mess this up, it's going to have far-reaching consequences. And let's be clear, no piece of software, once it goes to production, is 100%. Right. 70% is pretty much the standard for most software companies. Anything above that is gravy. And when you're dealing with something this sensitive that Mm -hmm. can affect people you need it to be 
perfect, but we know that perfect doesn't exist. Right. So hopefully they have some other two and three, four level checks. You know, this this technology fires off a notification to somebody, a team, somebody, a group. For some internal review or something. Right. right. Somebody looks but at these things. who wants to look at child abuse photos all day as a part of their job? I can't think... Have- like that again i don't know how it works you know if they anonymize uh you know all the data is anonymous until it's flagged until this team comes in and says yep those two images match this is an issue you know that's when the anonymous comes off and they have to you know whatever the next steps are i i would hope that they would have a team in there that checks and balances this thing before they move it on to the next level again it's a great idea like i said nobody wants Child abuse is one of those things that everybody kind of agrees on is a no-no. All the other stuff, everybody's like, eh, well, you got to understand, what was she wearing? Blah, 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 blah. All these other, you know, extremities. children. Uh, Right. And child child abuse. abuse. Can't mess around with that. There's not a line on that. So, like I said, hopefully hopefully they know what they're doing. And, you know, good news or bad news, we're going to hear about this in the future. Definitely. All right. All right. So that is it for our lightning round on the lowdown. Uh, Let's move into second string where we talk all things tech. Uh, Speaking of privacy and protection of of minors, uh, Google has decided that it's going to block targeted advertising based on the age, gender or interests of people under 18. So basically automatically out of the gate, any user under the age of 18 that has a Google account. Google is automatically going to block targeted advertising based on age, gender or interest. So, you know, if my ki- my daughter, you know, she's using Google and she's using it to look up this and research that and look into this. Uh, Google is not going to then give her targeted advertising based on her age, gender or interests. Uh, YouTube, which is owned by Google, of course, said it will also change the default video upload settings for minors automatically out of the gate choosing the most private option available. So again, I can relate this directly to me. My 11 year old has decided she wants to start a YouTube channel of her just playing on her favorite game. When she uploads videos, Google is automatically going to put it on, you know, yes, I don't know if they're going to put yeses for kids, but they're going to put it on the most private option. And then my daughter is going to then have to choose or change that setting in order to upload it. Of course, I'm not going to let her (laughs) because I'm a dad, (laughs) right? Because she's Uh, 11. (laughs) And because she's 11, right? Uh, The company on Tuesday also said it will automatically turn on a feature called Safe Search, which filters out explicit search results for users under 18 that are signed into their Google accounts. So again, like I said, if their kids are trying to type in, you know, explicit, you know, naughty (laughs) things, they're automatically going to uh, filter out those search results from their Google accounts. Finally, minors won't be able to turn on Google's location history setting, which tracks where someone has been for maps and other products. Again, this goes to advertising. You know, you can turn on your location history. You feed Google feeds that up and then sells it to third party users, which they can see where you've been and give you targeted advertising based on your history. Like you, like you said in a pre-show, you know, you went to Smoothie King you know, if you're using Google and you're using their services, they can see, okay, she was at Smoothie King, then she went here and she went there. Let's give her a coupon for, you know, uh, a free smoothie or something like that. So mm-hmm. for kids under 18, 
uh, minors rather, yeah, under 18, uh, mm-hmm. won't be able to turn on location history settings. So that protects them away. So I guess I wanted to ask you, you know, um, does this, does this give you some, uh, does, does it give Google, Google some brownie points in your eyes? It's definitely, it's definitely a step in the right direction. I mm-hmm. particularly like the, his, the, the location turned off mm-hmm. because I know, you know, kids, they meet people on YouTube, they meet people on Snapchat and Instagram and all the other sites. And that's just another way that predators can kind of find where they are, even if they don't give them that information up front. So I definitely like that um, they won't be able to turn on the location history. So that's right. definitely safe for them. Um, the the other thing with the um, the automatic setting for the mm-hmm. upload of videos, mm-hmm. which I think that's great as well, because we know predators and creeps, they have these filters on where they can find, you know, people and, and find children that are under the age of 18. So mm-hmm. I definitely think that is a step in the right direction and that they are turning off those targeted ads. I, I'm trying to figure out how I can turn off targeted ads based <laughs> on my right. age, gender, or interest <laughs> you got for that people right. over 18. But at the same time, I also, I don't know, because of course I don't have children, so I don't know, um, when you created the, I guess, the the YouTube account for your two, your, your two daughters, is there some way that they verify the age? Because my concern yeah. is how it is with Instagram or anything you sign up for. Mm-hmm. It's like an honor system. You know, they take, they, you check, yes, I'm over 18 or you do the math and you add, you know, how many every years it is to get to 18 to, you know, your years. Is there any type of, I guess, verification around the actual age? Because I mean, kids are smart and they can kind of work the, around things yeah. they can, right? Um, the answer to your question is no, but um, any child under 13 a parent has to authenticate their account so um, for my 11 year old when I set up her YouTube account all the verifications came through my account I use my phone number I use my email address it says okay uh, your child wants to do of course I'm setting up the account first and foremost Mm -hmm. my daughter's not setting it up and I'm just verifying okay that's her she has permission I actually set it up and in the process of setting it up you know, uh, the, the email, the phone number verification, all the privacy agreements or whatever came through me. I had to approve those via my own accounts, via my own authentication efforts. And then it um, uh, created the account for my daughter. So it doesn't automatically do that. Like you said, it doesn't give them a test to prove mm-hmm. their age or who they are. But in most cases, I hope parents are being taking the initiative and being proactive and working through the setup process for their kids and then handing the account to them and saying, Hey, these are the rules. This is what you can and can't do. This is what you can and can't upload. Daddy has access. So I'll know if you do X, Y, and Z, you know, Mm -hmm. I hope that's the case, but to answer your question, no, I don't think there's any way for a child to, who knows their way around the computer figure out how to get around to create their own account. I mean, but that's just, mm-hmm. that's just how things work. You know, kids are yeah. smart these days. So, you know, like I said, luckily, you know, I've got kids who ain't out there like that. 
Yeah. And I'll, I'm trying to keep it that way for as long as, as long possible. As you can. And so that's why, and, and, and I go to say that, you know, outside of the, you know, the fringe cases where kids are just kind of out there in the wild on their own doing their own thing. But in the best case scenario, mm-hmm. I think these new privacy uh, and protection features are definitely a good thing. So it, okay. it does give them a couple brownie points um, in the grand scheme of, of things. They, they have a long way to go still. But um, they're they're making shine. So, you know, right. that's all you can really ask for. Yeah. And I say this is um, brownie points for Google, not just for the creepy, the creep things and the predators and all the lurkers and all the people out there itching to get a hold of this. Yuck. Yuck. But in addition to that, I think it goes to say uh, for Google, a lot of these changes, a lot of these things that are in- implementing will simply make it harder for kids to already have a online profile before they become mature adults and know what to do with it. You know, the age of the internet is like, once you, once you sign up to something, put your email in, click the link in the email, boom, it automatically starts. And you're, you're eight years old with a complete online digital profile they know where you live they know you know uh they know what you like to do they know they know Mm -hmm. where you go they know what websites you click on you know and that's a cash cow for google their whole mo is let me collect as much information on you as possible sell it to advertisers and these advertisers would be like well google gave it to me so that means i can use it and then boom here they come with all this information all All this Everything, all this just infiltrating your kids to where they're desensitized by the time they get, you know, 13, 13, right. By the time they get 13, they're already, you know, knee deep in the social media world. And of course, as a parent, you know, I don't want to shield them from it completely because then I don't want them to get sticker shock you know, or shell shock. Rather, they then they then I. Finally, you don't want to be completely green when they step out there. Exactly, exactly. You know, to where those are the times where people, kids tend to get naive because they're so green and they don't understand. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I want to protect them somehow. But it's almost like, you know, up until now, with many of these sites, social media, websites, it's been impossible because that's how the Internet makes money. They sell you ads. So, you know, like I said, for Google to be. Uh, the, uh, uh, to, to them to kind of clamp down on their own abilities to make money by implementing these uh, protections for minors. I think it, 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 it you know, like I said, they get a little props. You know, like I said, they yeah. got a long way to go, like you mentioned, but, you know, for them to kind of, you know, shoot the gift horse in the mouth, you know, for lack of a better term, I think it they get a little brownie points for that. Yeah, they're taking steps in the right direction. They're trending upward. Right. Let's hope they don't expend all this goodwill next week. <laughs> oh, they're going to. <laughs> they're going to do something and be like, oops. You know, all that stuff we just did? Scratch that. All right. All right. Moving on to the last story and second string. Amazon steps in to facilitate defective product complaints. Um, I don't know if you know this. I'm pretty sure you know this, but the royal you. When you buy something from Amazon, Nine times out of 10, you are not buying it from Amazon. Amazon is a marketplace and anybody with any old funky little product can list it on Amazon. Then we go on Amazon and buy that funky old product. And by the time we get it in our house, it's either too small, 
completely not the same thing that we advertise that that they advertise. It don't work. Wrong color. I mean, there's been plenty of plenty of plenty of stories on internet to where people order things off of Amazon. <laughs> I, I remember I've seen this one to where this lady ordered a teddy bear, and on the images she thought there was this big old teddy bear. She ordered it, got home. It's about the size of this little. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, the one about the couch. She thought it was a oh, a, was it a, a, a adult psych? <laughs> it was a kid's. Yeah, so she got it. She couldn't even fit on it. Right, <laughs> right. So all that to say, uh, when you go to return those products or to make a complaint, of course you did not buy it from Amazon. That's when you find out there's this obscure, small, completely hard to contact third party vendor, uh, manufacturer, supplier who nine times out of 10, it ain't come from America. This, so it's not English. So the language barrier is there trying to get in contact with them to start a conversation about, Hey, this is the wrong size, wrong color, or this is fraudulent. This is not what I advertised. I want to co- create a complaint. Amazon was like, look, my name is Bennett. I ain't in it. That's between y'all. I ain't right? in it. <laughs> right? Facilitator. You need to talk to them. Right, right. So starting September 1st, folks can actually complain to Amazon customer service, which will review submissions via internal and external fraud and abuse detection systems. Assuming the claim is deemed valid, Amazon will reach out to the seller, not back away from it. And then I have to figure out. What can I do about this fraudulent and abuse? Because, again, like I mentioned, there are millions and millions and millions of items on Amazon and there are people out there purposely trying to defraud people by selling things and then providing something that is not advertised. So I guess I wanted to ask you, since you I would assume you are an avid Amazon uh, shopper. What do you you think about these new changes or have you ever had to? reach out to customer uh, complaints and try to get something resolved? Honestly, I have not. And all the times I've been on Amazon, but I think that's because I do a lot of due diligence. I scroll down, I read the comments. Right. um, I use, if you don't, if, if a product I'm purchasing doesn't have um, user reviews with actual user taken photos, meaning the consumer uh-huh. took a photo of the product, uh-huh. then it's not likely I'm going to buy it because right. I need to see it, you know, out in the wild and not right. in your prefab curated, uh-huh. you know, photo shoot. I, I do my due diligence because I do not like to mess up my money. Right. And I do not like to be pissed when something shows up and it's not what I thought it was because usually a lot of stuff I order on a whim and I order it because I want it now. And um, I have an immediate need for it in most cases. So um, I, I think it's, I think that it's definitely a step in the right direction because a lot of times people don't necessarily equate the damaged or defective product with the vendor. They mm-hmm. say Amazon did it. Mm-hmm. Amazon mm-hmm. didn't do this. Amazon didn't do that. Amazon broke this. And the thing is, it's in Amazon's best interest to facilitate that exchange because mm-hmm. in the long run, it ultimately helps them and their bottom line, even though they don't need any help with any money, <laughs> no, but it's don't. just from a, from a PR perspective and from a customer service perspective, it is, is prudent of them to make sure that they have a system in place to, to reduce some of that. Right. Now, I will say Amazon does a good job when you just need to return something. 
And that's an easy, simple process. But I can't think of a time to where I felt like the vendor or the seller legitimately tried to pass off something that wasn't as advertised. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to, no, I can't say that I have, but again, like, like I mentioned, if you just want to return it and get your money back, Amazon is pretty good with that. It's like, look, I ain't got, we, we make too much money to be trying to mess with your little $4 here. Take it. Right. right? (laughs) But when it comes down to something as actually fraud, like they are selling some, or specifically, I, I guess for Amazon sellers, like if I, you know, have whatever that I want to list on Amazon and then another company tries to then take my account or, you know, kind of jack my listing and trying to pass it off as theirs. I could see how trying to contact Amazon, trying to figure things out could be hard, especially when Amazon says, hey, you need to contact them. We can do it. You know, so it's nice to see that Apple in those cases where legitimate fraud is happening, you know, Amazon is saying, all right, all right, all right, let me let me look into let it. Let me come back. in and help. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let me look yeah. into and it. Like and I get said, back it's, with it's prudent for them to try and, you know, reduce some of that uh, conflict wherever yeah. they can. All right. All right. So that is it for second string. Let's move into for the culture where we talk all things social media, anything that we feel like talking about that may or right. may not have anything to do with technology, but most of it kind of has a social media component that we've kind of, the trend is if it's on social media, we're kind of talking about it. So right. uh, one thing close to my heart is uh, De La Soul. Um, it was recently revealed that their long drawn out issues with their label have been resolved. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, De La Soul and Tommy Boy Records, which was the label that they uh, belonged to when they did all their popular songs, all their popular, uh, you know, beloved music. Um, they were holding their music hostage. Uh, they didn't own the rights to it. Uh, they were having this big beef, De La Soul and Tommy Boy. I want to say at least three years ago, De La Soul was like, look, we're fed up. We don't know what to do. They are tripping. They're not giving us our masters. They're not giving us ownership. They're not giving us any sort of say so. They're holding our music hostage. What I need my fans to do is stop streaming our music. Same way mm-hmm. kind of Dave Chappelle did recently. And then Comedy Central gave him the rights to the Chappelle show back. De La Soul did it way before uh, Dave Chappelle did it. And for the personally, for the past three or four years, I haven't streamed or listened to any De La Soul music, much to my chagrin, because I wanted to be obedient. Uh, now it looks like uh, a new group came in, purchased or purchased Tommy Boy Records, and it looks like they have came up with an agreement with De La Soul to where they have resolved their music rights issues. They own their um, they own their masters, and it looks like. As early as this fall, uh, music should not only have they given us the green light to then go and kind of stream what you can find, but the music that they have pulled down or hasn't been made available on streaming Apple Music, Tidal, Spotify, Google Music, whatever. That stuff looks like it'll be starting to populate back up in the fall. So like I said, I I put this in here because I am a De La Soul fan. And like I said, I wanted to be obedient 
you know, uh, so I did not listen to any of their music. So it'd be nice to be able to go back in and kind of go back down the, the go do a little time traveling and go back and listen to some of that music and also stream it with all the other people that were kind of like hooray that, you know, it's a new day now. So shout out to them. Whenever a creator can get back control of mm -hmm. their art, it's uh, it's a good day. And there's, and and are these creators are starting to realize the power and ownership, Mm -hmm. you know, um, of course, and it kind of all started to fall apart when streaming started to take over because mm-hmm. when streaming came over, it made it even harder for them to get their money because there wasn't a label directly involved. The label, you know, previously how it worked is, you know, you they the artists would go in, they would make music, they would give it to the label, the label would package it up, they would advertise street team, they would set up all the interviews, set up the tour, set everything up. When the album hit the store shelves and we physically bought it, physically, physical, <laughs> physical purchase. I give you money. You give me the thing. I put it in the, put the CD in, put the tape in, you know, play it. You know, they would get a percentage off of that. When streaming came, that kind of cloudied all that up. So artists was like, like hey, right. I'm not getting the same kind of money I was getting. You know, some of these artists kind of fell by the wayside. There are a lot of artists. I would say between 2004, 2004 on up to as early as 2014, 15, 16, there are a lot of good artists that we never even heard about. They never made it because that was that transition time from what's going on with music, what is streaming doing to now digital. Right. Now I'd say twenty sixteen on up until now, everybody kinda understands streaming. They kinda knows how it works. Artists have started to take their own ownership. You know, artists are starting to put out their own music. They're starting to make their own labels. You know, but that two thousand four to two thousand fourteen, fifteen, sixteen there are a lot of artists I personally listen to, listen to now just like, man, imagine if, you know, they would have figured this out earlier. They would be mega superstars, but now they're just yeah. cult favorites, right? So yeah. um, go ahead. And it, and, it, and it all goes back to, you know, when streaming started and they realized they were getting, you know, half and quarters of cents right. on the dollar per right. stream. Right. That, you know, kind of opened the eyes and you can kind of see it now where whoever owns the music, mm-hmm. I mean, it's even more so visible now with control. If you think about the whole Aaliyah situation, mm-hmm. her music, you know, she's been passed away. How what, how it's been like she was our age. Right. She's our, she would have been our age. So that's been like 20 years ago. Right. So her music is just now going to be put on streaming devices. But her family and her right. estate didn't own the music. Technically, her uncle owned it. Right. And so there hasn't been any revenue generated from her music. But mm-hmm. now that it's coming back on streaming, you know, her estate isn't going to get all that money. They're probably going to get a tiny fraction. If any. Him, if any, with him controlling and all not, of the music. And not only that, you know, you bring up a good point about Aaliyah. I heard that the only reason why Aaliyah's music is starting to stream now is because the uncle, like you mentioned, has some new artists in the wing Mm -hmm. and he needs the money 
from the streaming of Aaliyah's music in order to prop up this new artist to get the funding to launch their career or whatever. So even yeah, and so that, his record label was Blackground. So it's now Blackground 2.0. So he's basically reviving his record label, but right. he can only revive it with the funds the because that the was music. pretty much, I think he the had cash on his label for, label for a little while. I think maybe Tank on his label for a little while. So his big money makers mm-hmm. are, you know, past their prime, so to speak. So in order for him to get revenue, he has to put this music that has been missing for the last 20 some odd years back on the platforms. And all that money is pretty much going to him. And that's how the family has their issues. That's why it's been like a lot of back and forth because they're not going to get any of that money, but it's her art, but she didn't own the art. Right. And even his family, he's like, nah. And, and, us as fans want to listen to that music now in my back of my mind. It's like when I'm listening to this music, am I helping this fool do something yeah, else help. versus helping the family so or helping are off to R Kelly. So it's just right. like, it's icky. Yeah. right. It's icky, but at the same time, you know, I was a huge Leah fan. Like I said, we're the same age. So mm-hmm. it's like a lot of nostalgia, but it's, it's really like a gray space of, where wh- I want to listen to her, but listening but, to her benefits somebody that's gross. Right, exactly. So all that to say, you know, back to the original subject, you know, the fact that De La Soul, uh, if the if the stories are true, I saw I actually followed them on Instagram, and they actually went live to kind of you know say their thank yous to all the people that helped them. You know, they you know made they didn't give any specific dates, but they said you know we're gonna you know, start releasing this music back out here, you know, so it sounds like this is a legit, um, if that's the case, like I said, it's nice to see, you know, artists, you know, from the past five years or so, you really seen artists like, look, this label thing, if, if, if I'm already going to see pennies on the dollar of my own music, because I have to stream it, there's, you can't get around it anymore. You know, iTunes to where you can purchase music still exists. You can still go on iTunes and buy an album. Who does that? Who who does that? You know, we stream and even it. Even more so, who who's buying CDs or in vinyls? A store? I don't even or, know. Do they even vinyl? Probably for the nostalgia, uh-huh. but there's no huge volumes of of vinyl being sold. It's right. like it's a niche. Physical copies of music is a niche market right, right now, and everybody is streaming. So if as an artist, if I say, look, if I'm only going to get half a third of a percent of a penny, I might as well get all that. Half. <laughs> I mm-hmm. might as well get it Give all. Me that whole half of a third of a penny. And let me control everything from the front back, you know, and putting, making themselves a label, putting out their own advertising. You know, again, with social media, it's a whole lot easier nowadays. But even People still, talk about Soulja Boy, but he is a blueprint for doing this it yourself. Whole, I'm gonna do it myself. Right, right. He used social media and then got people took on along that blueprint, which makes it easier. But still, you know, these artists that we used to listen to growing up, like you mentioned, Aaliyah, you know, De La Soul, you know, all of these artists, they were like all all they had to do is go into the record, into the uh, studio, studio, do their song, do the interviews, go on tour, go on tour. That's all they had to do. You know, the label handled the rest. Now they got to be the marketers. They got to be the advertisers. They got to be publicity. They got to be the tour managers. They got to fund it. They got to fund it. 
You know, they got to put up all the money for the store, the, 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 the tours, they got to manage all that stuff, all that's just so they can get that one half of a third of a penny, you know, but ownership, as you can see, I'd rather do that than have to be fighting for something that is supposed to be mine. Yeah. I created it. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. All right. So shout out to them. Uh, Last one on the list. I started not to talk about it, but I was like. Yeah, we talked you. about it last week. We talked about it the week before. It's an ongoing story. It looks like uh, the baby uh, has decided. You know what? That half-ass apology. I take it back. So it looks Cause like I he because ha- no <laughs> I ain't made it no way and removed his apology uh, from Instagram. I couldn't find him or his camp or somebody actually giving an actual reason as to why they did. Um, they did it. Uh, okay, they, they did, did not. not. Okay, <laughs> um, I think some people were saying, you know, maybe he was using this. He, you know, get rid of the the post to kind of get so stay quiet, right? If if it don't exist, quote unquote, which nothing once you put it on the internet, nothing ever goes away. Screenshots exist, right? But uh, maybe some way it would kind of quiet everything down to where you know he would maybe get start to get booked. Because of them scouring your social media, I don't know. But uh, like I said, he didn't mention a reason. Uh, he just said, "You know what? I'm uh, just gonna take this down." So you know what I heard last week? I was in the car and I was listening. I think to I can't remember if it was Apple Music or Apple Music Live or to a podcast. But the reason behind all of this for him getting dropped. He promised Lollapalooza. Wait, what was the second one? He did at Rolling Loud. So right. he had promised Lollapalooza mm-hmm. that he would do a video apology. Okay. And since, and that's what he committed to to all of the other uh, Venues. festivals. Uh-huh. But he did this apology instead. And when he backed off of his commitment of doing the video mm-hmm. that's why they were all dropping right back to back to back right. because he had agreed to do a video apology by a certain date mm-hmm. so instead of doing the video apology he did this word apology mm-hmm. so after he saw that this word apology didn't help him i think that's why he pulled it i think mm-hmm. he thought you know doing this he's such a huge star i think he realized he's not the biggest star right he's not popular by all of the backlash I think being the petty person that he likely is right. he apology because he was like well it didn't, it didn't work so right it didn't work so I think I think he you know took his toys and went home because you know took it oh, let me say took his ball and went home right because nobody wanted to play with him right and uh, that makes sense um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the baby now he is popular you know he had some hit songs he used those songs to levitate him to all these appearances you know he's almost like the face of the new age or whatever the case may be but like we said time and time and time and time again we are quick to change the channel there are 50 million thousand little babies baby this uh, Mr. Little Big Baby, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who sound like him, have the same uh, origin story. Who are actually better than him. Because pro- Little Baby, I think, is replacing him in a lot of stuff. Right. And apparently Little Baby's really good. Right. I don't know. But uh, 
Um, yeah. Um, a, 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 a masculine, young, from the streets, uh, rapper with swag and all of the attributes that you attribute to today's rap star. There are 50 million thousand of them waiting in the wings and you can be easy replaceable on top of our shortest tension span. So it'll right. be, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, especially with things like, you know, uh, Rihanna, uh, has become a billionaire. You know, all of these are rappers, our age, hip hop artists, Jay Z, Nas, they are starting Nas to just came out with the new album. That just, still, and not just that Honda is on the way. They're changing what it means to be a rap star because they are investing in things. They are uh, expanding their brands outside of music. Beyonce conscious and socially right. aware. Right. The, you know, when's the last time Beyonce put out an album? When was when is Rihanna ever going to put out another album? So there, she don't need to. Exactly. So that, that is exactly my point. point. They're changing what it means to be a superstar and these newer artists of the of today, although they do have the do it myself mentality of being their own labels, doing their own social media, which in his case is failing, <laughs> but he is he doing his own be a superstar before he started to go all nutty. Right. How long, what is the longevity of today's rap star when they have to go from gritty in the streets, you know, to Jay-Z, Nas, Rihanna, Beyonce level before we move on to the next person? You know, mm-hmm. you not he's not doing himself no favors by messing up with social media when we're either loving and uh, 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 appreciating the stars who are changing the, the icons game. over here and, and the new folks. Pool of exactly. New folks. I exactly. mean, he out the door <laughs> and music didn't miss a beat because it's 50, 60 other dudes right behind him with yep. a similar stitch, a similar sound, yep. if not better, a similar. Yep. It's kind of like cookie cutter, you know, yep. oh, this one, this one's broken. You're on an assembly line. Oh, this is broken. Let's throw this one out. But you yep. got a whole line coming mm-hmm. right behind you. Yep. So uh, I hope he can. Well, I don't hope he can. You know, we'll see what happens. Hope he invested with his money, saved yeah. his money and used it wisely. He, t- he talks about how rich he is. We'll see how far that money can stretch. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So that is it for for the culture. Uh, we're going to move into the hookup. And I actually want to do some uh, updates as to some of the right. hookups or the tips that I've done. I try to I, I every week I try to talk about something that I advocate or advertise actually use outside of just telling you, OK, well, this is the latest trick on your phone or this is the latest whatever. You know, so there are some things that I'll say, hey, go check this thing out, you know, but I want to make sure that I'm actually using the thing. Um, And very rarely do I actually come back and say, oh, this thing went well or this thing flopped or whatever. But I want to come back and do some updates for actually two things that I talked about on the show. And then actually use them, but oh. It's even better <laughs> than what I thought about. <laughs> so two of those things that were actually works, if not better, as advertised was the um, go get Vax digital vaccination card. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a good idea. I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, t- went on, talked about it. Here's how you do it. Do this, you do that, you do this. And you get a digital vaccination card because I'm big on mobile wallets, digital this. I don't want to carry no wallet, but I never really did it. <laughs> <laughs> like Monday, I was going back through a show, doing something. I was like, you know what? Let me check it out. And actually went through the process of digitizing my vaccination card. And it works better than what I thought it was going to be. And, you know, I actually, yeah. So, you know, again, going through the process, I'll just do like a highlight again. You go to gogetvax.com. You need your driver's license. You actually need your vaccination card because you actually have to read off some of the, um, the batch numbers, some of the numbers associated with the actual doses that you got. Once you do that, snap a picture of your credit card. I mean, I'm sorry, your driver's license, you know, confirm the information on your vaccination card. You uploaded. I'd say I thought I was going to be like a week mm-hmm. in like five minutes. They were able to verify my information and actually send me the actual digital card that I could put in my Apple wallet. But what nice. I thought, what I thought was so interesting was even though it was so fast, it seems like it's harder to spoof that information because they actually show you on your digital uh, uh, vaccination card that you've been step two, step one, step two verify. So there's like multiple processes that they mm-hmm. go to to verify. It's not just take a picture. They digitize the picture and then send you a digital card. No, they actually verify who you are. They verify your digital vaccination card. And then they actually, because you have to put the codes from the different dosage, you know, once they get all that information, they say, okay, he's step one verified. Now he's step two verified. So then if I want to use it, like if I'm going on a, a plane or if I'm going to an event and they require a vaccination, I show them my digital card. They have to scan it and then they scan it. It takes them to the go get Vax website and if we go get Vax website says, okay, this person's legit. They're at this step. They're at that step. And then it's, of course, it's on the onus of the venue or the whatever that says, OK, you're good to go. But I just thought that was cool because nice. they actually go through and verify who you are versus where I thought it was, was you just upload a picture of your vaccination card and they put that in digital format. No, they're actually verifying who you are, verifying you took these doses, just so on and so forth. Nice. So that so that was the first one. The second one was I think I talked about this last week or the week before was the biometric fingerprint cabinet lock. Um, I talked about it because I was like, oh, this is something that I need. You know, I actually purchased it. I actually installed it. And again, this is one of those. It works better than I thought it was. Um, We I like I mentioned in the show, uh, me and my wife for anniversary gift. We're getting our closets redone. We finally got our closets. uh, Ninety five percent wrong. We got a little got some beef (laughs) a little bit. With the contractor, you know, there are, I'll just put it like this. There are carpenters Mm -hmm. and then there are people that work with wood. There's a, Mm -hmm. there's a difference between the two. So I'll leave it at that. But anyway, um, once we got that finished, we started moving our clothes in. Um, the room, the main reason why I wanted to get this thumbprint lock was I wanted to be able to quickly access my firearm. If my family or my house is being threatened but I wanted to keep it safe and not have to jump through all the hoops to actually get to my firearm. Because the way I was doing it before was I hit a key somewhere, 
So if something were to happen, if the middle of the night, I would have to, you know, get my wherewithals together to be able to remember where I hid the key, go find mm-hmm. the key, go into my closet where my, you know, firearm is stashed, use the key because it's a couple different keys on the little keychain, find the right one, get it in the, in the lock, unlock the lock, take the lock off, open it and then do whatever. You know, I wanted a quicker way to do that. So the thumbprint thing I thought was the easiest way to do it. That's why I talked about it. But when I actually purchased it, it took maybe an hour to install. And that was only because I, re- I measured 50, 11 times. I watch home improvement shows. I did not mm-hmm. want to be one of those people who said they measured it. And then it'd be way off because I just got this brand new, brand new white uh, closet cabinets. And I didn't want to have a bunch of holes mm-hmm. <laughs> in my, in my closet drawer. So I measured 50, 11 times, took about an hour uh, registered my fingerprints, uh, measured, uh, registered my wife's fingerprints, and it actually works pretty smooth. So much so, I actually yes. put a, I should put a video on social media of me actually using my thumb to unlock it. And it's just, just how you do when you use your thumbprint to unlock and, you know, a compatible phone or a Mac or anything. You use your thumbprint like our Macs and iPhones. You put your thumbprint on there, opens it right up. I say after three seconds. The lock comes back up. As soon as I close the drawer, it's locked. So I'm going to let people know. Um, I'll put a link to the show notes uh, for both of those. If you want to check them out before they were brother tech approved. Now they're brother tech. This is a real deal. Verified. <laughs> this is brother tech ver- <laughs> First they were brother tech approved. Now brother tech verified. <laughs> so definitely go check those out. Uh, and I think. Without any further ado, Nika, if you don't have anything else, I think that is going to be it for this week. Uh, We definitely appreciate you for hanging in there with us uh, to show us support, show us some love. There's a couple ways you can do it. First and foremost, you can download, rate, and review the show. Please do those. That helps us get up the ranks. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can actually engage with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at SnobOSCast. You can watch us on YouTube. Every week we upload the video to YouTube. Go to check out at SnobOSCast. And of course, do all the YouTube stuff. Like, subscribe, leave a comment, get a notification, all that good stuff. Uh, you can leave us a comment. You can do so by going to our website at snoboscast.com or you can shoot us an email at snoboscast at gmail.com. Uh, you can actually show us some love financially. You can support our Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash snoboscast and for as little as $5, I put up two hands, but it's just $5 <laughs> gives you access to our pre-show where we talk about ex- give you exclusive content that you won't find on the recording. You get access to the live show to where you get the show earlier versus waiting until Friday and you get access to our chat community. Uh, if you don't want to do the $5 com- month commitment, you can give us a love offering via PayPal. If you go to paypal.me forward slash snobos, you can drop us a little offering that way we want to thank all of our patreons charles we see you we see you in the tweet in the in the comments we see you we appreciate that uh like i said uh we thank our supporters and we thank all of y'all and till then uh till next time we are out peace bye